This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. It was fascinating for me to discover as I sat here and as they... We were told the um, in whose memory it is, the fact somebody that was nifter quite a while ago should still be such a living um, part of the shul, and people speak of him uh, as in present terms almost. Um, and hearing how the shul and seeing what the shul has become, it, it really says it, it gives new meaning to the Gemara of Mazar Eim Bechayim Afim Bechayim that when a person leaves over a legacy that's living, they live. And it's just the memory of the person who's created something full of life is, is full of life itself. And it's a covetous chus to be taking part in that in, in, in the Shabbos dedicated to his memory. And may Hashem have an aliyah. A tremendous yashakayach to the community for the warmth, the extraordinary warmth. And uh, so many people come over, introduce themselves, it, Told me different things, and uh, and it's really very the, the ease and the comfort and the warmth that people express makes it very very pleasant to be in everyone's company. And I echo the Mordasra's sense of that we're able to find so much commonality and so much uh, issues that we both struggle with in common. So it's made it. Extraordinarily unique, the, the Shabbos here. When I first suggested the topic um, to speak about my father-in-law and Reb Nosson Tzvi, I, I must say that I suppressed a smile because it is very befitting we should speak about Reb Nosson Tzvi. This was, his Yosite was last Shabbos. He was a son of Chicago in every sense of the word. His parents were core members of the community um, he went to the local schools until he went to the yeshiva. And in many ways, Chicago had a very special place in the mere yeshiva's um, early years. Reb Meir Finkels, his father, was a host for my father-in-law and his father when they came fundraising. And Chicago had a lot of Altamiras. I remember Getzel Kagan was an Altamir, and I'm sure there are many more. I, I didn't know all of them, but um, it was a town that had a, a mirror presence and was very, very helpful in, in the Mir Yeshiva in the earlier years. So that was befitting, and that, I thought, was, was a fitting topic. I was thinking that it almost, it, I, I, when the topic was suggested, it sounded as if there are common denominators. And at first glance, it's hard to imagine two people, two Rashivas, more different than each other. Um, my father was very European. Reb Nassim Tzvi was very American. My father-in-law was a person who was extremely um, discreet. He kept everything very much to himself. He was very friendly and open, but kept everything. Reb Nassim Tzvi was very candid, very open. Um, my father was kind of restrained in a European way. Reb Nassim Tzvi was warm and hugging and, and so on. Um, my father-in-law's shita in running the shiva was an extraordinary ascetism. His sense was, if it's not absolutely necessary, 
then the yeshiva doesn't give it and shouldn't give it. Um, Reb Nossin Svishita was that the more you give for a bentura deserves the best only, and then expect the best. Um, almost polar opposite shitas. My father would not let the yeshiva build more. He, he was okay with expanding the base medish. He, he did expand um, some of it, not the base medish, but the, the floors on top. He, he, the they refused to let it get bigger. My brother-in-law built a huge empire of buildings and things like that. Many, many ways, very, very different. And, and I, I, I was almost, uh, the, the idea of presenting a picture that would represent some sort of continuity, I, I, I you know, for a moment I, I, I was stunned. I didn't think there was something like that. I didn't have to think about it. And the more I thought about it, I went back another generation. I think I saw a thread that was much deeper than the things I mentioned. And a thread that's very, very important to understand the Shiva's success in many ways. The Shiva's success in becoming such a huge Shiva. The Shiva's success in being able to maintain itself financially in some extraordinarily difficult times. The, the, the last few the years when they, well, after 2008, when things began to tank, was were incredibly difficult years. And the Shiva managed, they carried a lot of debt for a while, and Baruch Hashem managed to pull itself together. Um, the, 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 the internal workings of the yeshiva and, and having such a large group of people interact positively is not easy. And Baruch Hashem, Adheina, HaKadosh Baruch has helped. And I think if there is a foundation in the yeshiva that maybe is the reason for all that Seat And I will start by going back to the founder in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yudel. I would like to share a story about him something about my father-in-law, um, something about Remnos and Tzvi, and then try to understand the common denominator and find something of it in Chazal. Let me start with a story about Reb Leiz Yudel. Uh, by Chassidim, it's common, what's the Shabbos, they tell Sipur Tzadikim. Um, so I guess, this is a Chassidish Minig. But um, these supports I think may have to be true. I don't know others might also be true, but these, these I can pretty much testify firsthand witness. I don't know if it counts as Sipur Tzadikim if it's true, but if you have a, a true story, might also work as, as a Sipur Tzadikim. Was that the Rav passing differently? Or I, as as Rav Yaakov Miller, the famous Batran once said, he said, I hate... I hate Batchanim that invent false stories. He says, I invent only true stories. <laughs> the the, um, the um, Rabbi had the biggest, most important hush of yeshiva in, in, Amer- in, in Europe by all counts. Me yeshiva was, there was, it was the yeshiva where he came from, all the yeshivas had the most hush haburis, etc. The war destroyed it, it went to Shanghai, and then they came to America, but as the yeshiva was gone. And he came to Eretz Yisrael, he was not a young man, and he had to start all over, all over. His gevirim that he had in Europe were not there anymore, that was, that was all gone, he had people that he had money from, the Talmidim all were in Shanghai and in America, they didn't come back to Eretz Yisrael, the vast majority of them, and so on. And he had to restart a yeshiva, and the, the, going from being at the very top, to, 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 to sort of scrambling for the bottom is not an easy task for anyone. 
it's not easy to do, and certainly emotionally, it's it's almost impossible to go from being number one to being a, a, an upstart and, and just starting and so on. This story I heard at my Shver Shiva, and I was sitting there, you know, we, we sat most of the day around, and a very Khashiv-looking person was sitting next to me. You know, Frak and Hamburg, very, very Khashiv. And I asked my brother-in-laws, who's this guy? They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. No. And I turn around and I say, who do I have the covenant sitting next to? So he told me his name is either Sofer or Shreib. I don't remember. I know it's one of those two. I don't remember which one. I said, and how did the Rav know my late father-in-law? He said, I didn't. So I said, so what brings you here? He said, the Kesher is my father and Rabbi Zudel. His father was the Das Sofer. He was the Pressburger Rav and a, a descendant of the Chassam Sofer. And that's why I remember the name was either Sofer or Shreib, because some went to Shreib, some went to Sofer, but one or the other. He came to Israel with nothing. His, his world was destroyed. And he's sitting and um, he, he's, um, he's sitting alone in Givachol, or wherever he lived. And there's a knock on his door. So you're talking about 48, maybe, 49. That, that was the year. And Rebbe is there. And he ushers him in. And Rebbe says, I would like to make a proposal to the Rav that we open a yeshiva jointly. So he said, you know, I'm really flattered. But it's a very different style. Hungarian, Pressburg style learning and yeshiva is extremely different than a Litvish yeshiva like that the mir really sort of embodies. He said, I can't see how that would work. So he says, let me tell you what my plan is. My plan is that you run the yeshiva educationally, and I will send you money every month to support the yeshiva. So he, 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 he was taken back. He said, I mean, like, what's in it for you? Like, why? He said, I was thinking, there are many, many halakim of Torah. And Hungarian Torah does not have anybody to continue that Mesoris. And every Mesoris in Torah must be continued. We spoke about to the women about different Shvatim. This was continued. And I decided you're the most appropriate person, so I want you to get Yeshiva off the ground. And that's what he did. For three years, he sponsored him. Um, I, I didn't know the story. I don't think I'm also familiar with the story. A very similar story I once heard from Rebel Yeshvei. Rebel Yeshvei was sitting next to me Hasna, and he was, and he was telling me some things about when he was in Israel. And he said he was in Israel in 1951, and uh, 50 or 51 he was. And Rebel Yudel came over to him. He knew him because his father had been a Slapat, because they, they knew it. I mean, and he told Rebel Yishvei, he said, You know, you're American. Maybe you have some money that you lend me. So Rebel said, I was a little bit of a wise guy, and I said, uh, what does Rashiva need money for? He said, he, he, he said, he looked at me very seriously, he said, you know, the Sephardim don't have anybody to teach them. And I thought I could take him into yeshiva and would work. But it's very different, the language, the style, it doesn't work. I need to make a Sephardi yeshiva, and I need money. Maybe you have a source I get the money from. And Rebbe Shvei told me, what was it his business? He, he was a destroyed man. His, his yeshiva needed to start from zero. He needed to raise nickels and dimes to make it happen. 
what was his incentive? And Rabbi Yisrael gave me a very strong shmuz about Achrayas and so on. Those are two stories about Rabbi Yisrael. Now, I would like to move on to my father-in-law. Um, my father-in-law, one of his many kpedas was not to take a penny from the yeshiva to live off. Not for his personal expenses, not for any expenses he incurred, not for his living, nothing. Where he had money to live off, I don't think anyone knows. I'm serious. Um, I don't think my mother really knows. I, we, we have some idea. He, 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 I mean, the most reasonable explanation. He didn't. He didn't live extremely comfortably. He didn't. wasn't There wasn't a lot. But whatever it was, he never touched a nickel of the yeshiva. And he, um, even when he took four trips in his lifetime, he took four or five trips to fundraise for the yeshiva. When he took his last trip, he turned around to my mother-in-law, and he said, "It's the fourth or fifth time I'm going for the yeshiva, and Baruch Hashem." I was able to manage it without taking a penny from yeshiva. He, um, he, I, he had, almost every time he had done something for someone else who paid him for, for a certain sum to take care of something, whatever the affairs of people that he did that, and that's where he got, got the money to, for the ticket and so on. And there was some sense that he might have lived off, um, in his younger years they lived in, a, in a, an ice factory near Playback, whole story, and he doubled up as a night watchman. I don't know. No one, I don't think anyone really knows, but that was, that was reality. And he, it was something to him, a few weeks before his nifta, he turned to my mother-in-law and he told her, there is some money here um, for you, and there is money there for the yeshiva, and remember, the two have nothing to do with each other. The yeshiva money has nothing to do with you, and your money has nothing to do with the yeshiva. It didn't come from the yeshiva, it's not going to the yeshiva, and the yeshiva money didn't come from us, and it's not going to us. It's yeshiva money. And didn't take a penny from it. So, it, 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 I mean, it, it's a nice midah, but what exactly is that midah? What exactly was it? Before we go on to the Nassim Tzvi, I'd like to explain it, and then we'll go on to the Nassim Tzvi and, and his world in a very similar way. The morale says, um, he speaks about the concept of gas ruach. Gas ruach in Hebrew is an expression which means a balgaiva, someone who's haughty. And it's, it's sort of the word gas ruach could be translated as coarse, but it's not coarse in, in, in the sense of being vulgar, it's coarse in the sense of um, being haughty, arrogant, full of yourself. And the morale explains, <coughs> Ruchnius is something intangible. And as such, it should not, quote-unquote, occupy space in this world. If a person walks around and says he carries his deeds in his stomach or on his shoulders on display, you know, Rabboisai, you know, um, I, I, I'm interrupting my Shas program now to speak a few words of Chesed to you. So, so the person is taking something that belongs to a different world, to a world that is Ruchnius, and he's turning it into Gashmius. He's turning it into a round of applause and, and a write-up on one of these things over here. The, 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 you know, that's, that's what he's doing. So he's Gas Ruach. 
he's somebody who's taking a ruchnistic thing and making it coarse and tangible. Torah requires for it to survive. It's shalukadar hateva that people will be osik in Torah and not do things that economically are viable and give them what they need. That, that when, when Chazal say that whoever is mavir older, whoever put, takes on old Torah, mavir older heretz, Chazal understood well the contradiction between dedicating yourself to Torah and being part of the economic life of, of humanity. They are mutually contradictory. They, theoretically, as I, I, if the world is running eco- economically with perfect efficiency, there's not supposed to be any money left over for sitting and learning. That's, that's the reality of economics. You always have whatever, whatever goods you have, always take up the money and so on. Shevet Levi, it, it, it's something that exists not within that realm. And that's why the Rambam, in one place the Rambam speaks about not taking charity money for learning, and in one place he speaks about dedicating your life and letting our Kaddish Baruch who give you um, what you need. And most people quote one or the other Rambam. It depends what type of yeshiva you make an appeal for. If it's yeshiva, if it's Torah Chertz yeshiva, you get this Rambam. If it's a cool learning yeshiva, you get that Rambam. But the Rambam was one Rambam. I think if you learn the Rambam well, the truth is like this: the resolution to the to the steer in the Rambams is the Rambam Pirush Mishnayis Pirkei where he says clearly, he says you need to find a way to support the Mechamim, but they are covered. The panhandling style of door to door is what he's against, and he writes. You know, you allocate certain percentage and so on. That's an answer. But I think there's another answer in the very words of the Rambam. If you look, if you look at the Lushan and the Rambam in both places, he spells out two different motives for learning. The Rambam in, in, in the beginning, where he speaks about Nilislam Torah, a person should not say, you know what? It, it's not such a bad parnasa to let people support me sit and learn. That's how I'll make Parnassah. That's It's clear. You look at the Rambam's Lashen. The person is using it as a means to get support. And that the Rambam says, it's not part of the economic activity of the world, and to, to demand charity as such, it's not part of that. In Zroyim, where he speaks about the, the extraordinary nobility of the dedicated life to learning, he says, if somebody is not varuchai, Somebody became inspired, and, and, and he's moved up into a world of Kulei Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will take care of him. In other words, if the person's motive is as a means, you know, it's Harvey Parnassa, okay, you know, this, I'll do Kolo. That's wrong, and that's borderline us in the Ramah. If a person says, Nafshi Chashkebe Torah, that's where, that's where Shevet Levi comes in. So in order for Torah to survive, it, it belongs to a sphere that's not gas ruach, it's ruach. <coughs> and if a person makes it gas, if a person makes it into something coarse, then it can't survive because then it needs, then it needs to bend to the laws of economics. And laws of economics don't allow for it. How does, what does it mean about when we're talking about a yeshiva? If a person identifies his own ego or packet with the yeshiva, that's gas ruach. 
if yeshiva means my yeshiva, then we're talking about you. Some people have a business. Some people have a, a, a resource. Some people have a yeshiva. So we're talking about you. We're not talking about Torah. But if, 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 if Torah and yeshiva has not to do with you, if Hungarian Torah, that, that's going to be run by the Rosh Hashiva Rav Sofa, is what you're killing yourself for. And, and, and Sephardic Torah run by Sephardim is what you're killing yourself for because Torah is there. Then, 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 by your, then you're living Torah not as yourself, but you've, instead of Torah becoming part of your portfolio, you become part of Torah's portfolio. And that's where you have that type of Hanhaga Shalok Der Chateva. And I think that was my father-in-law's sense of it. And, and that's my father was confident. My father was not a phenomenal fundraiser. He, he didn't have any of that. It's certainly not the, not the scope of fundraising. He never, it, it, two or three days before Rosh he had set himself a time. That's when he would start worrying about getting the money. But it would, never was his money. It had nothing to do with him. Not even, not even the money for the going on the trip to, to America to raise the money for yeshiva. And, and he, he, I think that that, that way, he, he, the yeshiva and its business he ran in a way that he took himself out of the equation. He was a person, he's, he's, he's not taking covet. Besides the fact that it was something that he, that, that he, he was extremely, it was something that he was, uh, yeah, what's the right word for it? Um, it, it was something that, he, that repelled him. But I think also anything from yeshiva that would make him identify his personal needs or ego or finance of the yeshiva would take a yeshiva and make it into a personal issue. That was him. My brother, Reb Nassim Tzvi, I would like to mention two things about him, two stories, or, and, and then, then look at and find it in Chazal that I think describes that, that type of anaga. The first thing I said is that there has been the Mi Yeshiva. Um, the Mi Yeshiva was a huge Yeshiva. Um, and a very Chashvi Yeshiva. It is. The, um, his taking in Talmidim by the droves didn't have to do so much with his desire to build a big, big Yeshiva with many Talmidim. It was more to do with not turning away Talmidim. And that's why even Talmidim that were weak and very weak, and he had the luxury of making a bar that's kind of very high and saying we're taking only the top 5% and I don't need to support all these buildings with thousands of people. I can just cut the bar and have a wonderfully prestigious yeshiva and still be very hush and still make it onto the golden pictures. Didn't need to have all those things. He did it because every bacha that crossed his way and he knew that he could turn him on and learning the way he had been turned on learning, he did it for the bacha's sake. Way before he dreamt being Rosh Hashiva, any Bacha that came to me, Yeshiva, that needed help, he always had time to help him. It had to do about the Bacharim, nothing to do about himself. If, I, if there was some, um, if there was a, um, you know, if there was a other Yeshiva, or a group of Yeshivas, that considered themselves to be more elite. We won't mention the name, but many misguided Bachim thought that that yeshiva is a much chashvi yeshiva. But it's hard to get in. So one Elul, before Elul, a group of boys came, they, the other yeshiva didn't let them in, and I'll take them out to six, whatever it is. 
so they came to Reb Nassim to ask to come to Yeshiva. It was quite clear that they're in waiting. It was quite clear that this wasn't the first option or the first, uh, and there was no question, of course. At the end of Elul, at the after Sukkot, the other yeshiva opened up place, and um, and they came to say goodbye. It wasn't very easy. I mean, you know, Nelson had been the finishers had been with the, with a welcoming smile, and 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 you're taking in, and now, and they came in. They had no choice. They couldn't leave without saying goodbye. And Nelson said, "I have one favor to ask of you." I said what? He said, "You are here. You liked it." We had a very good relationship. I want that to continue. Feel that this is home for you. Whatever you need, whenever you need, come and talk and ask for it. I don't know if it's humanly possible in Midas to, to, to describe that type of media. And it was genuine. Reb Nelson had no contrivance to him. He, he, he was as genuine as it came. And if, if something can epitomize divorcing oneself from yeshiva, I don't think anything speaks louder than that type of interaction. And I'm sure everyone who's done yeshiva understands well what that means. I had a friend of mine who opened up a yeshiva, and he told me half-jokingly, I asked him, what are your emotions? He said, my first emotion is that I'm very upset at the first bar that's leaving the yeshiva. You know, that, that was, I, it was, I think that was also genuine. I think, I think he was expressed a, a sincere uh, uh, emotion. There was another part of, of, of where I felt there was an erasing of boundaries where there's no self. And that was the, the amount, you, you could come to him, anybody, anytime, all the time. You know, the, the idea of having some space for yourself I mean, you know, his house was Grand Central Station and not a big house, and even his bedroom. I mean, once I came in to, to say goodbye, I was going back, whatever it was, and he'd already gone to sleep, and so I, I apologized. He said, no, you know, he told us I'd come in. He's in pajamas, and yes, schmooze. He, he didn't expect to have a centimeter of time or space to himself. It was always if somebody needs you, and it's always different. Somebody's knocking. Somebody wants. When somebody wants, there were a thousand people here today. I mean, this tells somebody come back some other time. There was nothing, you know, as long as he was conscious, you could come in. He could be laying on the bed. He could, be, he could not speak. There wasn't ever a moment of, 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 of personal space. If I am a shiva, then that means I am always available. I want to say over chazal and finish with that chazal because... It's it's um, it's a chazal I say over sometimes on Tisha B'av, um when we do some of the kinnis and, and it's a chazal that I think is extraordinary. So it's it's a mechilta. Mechilta is the medrash halacha on uh, in Shmos. It says in Onotane, It says in the pasuk a terrible um, curse if someone pains an almana or a yasim, a kaddish baruch Hu will wreak revenge. And we understand that. We understand it's such a terrible thing and so on. The Medrash, the Chazal, move over the Indian of causing another person pain or suffering in, to a whole new area, which is astounding in what they expect. Rabbi Shmol Rabbi Shimon were being taken out to be killed. They were Malchus. 
Omler Reb Shimon Reb Shmuel, Rebbe. He says, Reb Shimon told Reb Shmuel, Rebbe, Libe Yoitze, I can't come to grips with this. I don't know why I'm being killed. At least if I understood what a very I'm being called for. What am I, what am I being held accountable for? Omler Reb Shmuel Reb Shimon. So Reb Shmuel asked Reb Shimon, did it not happen that somebody came to you for a dintoro or for a shayla? Vakafto, and you kept them waiting. Until you finished drinking your coffee, we'll call it. Putting on your shoes, putting on your clothes. If you cause another person pain, whether it's a lot or a little bit. When he told him this, he replied to him, you've put me to rest. Now I understand what I've done wrong. It's incredible. It's incredible. If somebody needs a raya for Torah's emes, this is a mechilta to hang up. In the world around you, you pride yourself secretaries and double secretaries and, you know, I have uh, no time and this being important means that. This is the way Chazal hold themselves accountable. Um, that if you're in a position to give Torah, in Din Torah or Shaila, then, then yourself and your own time and own zone disappears. It's something that first and foremost, every one of us who is in Klikodesh, it's an incredibly demanding Chazal. Um, and every one of us who's in place to do a favor, um, a person who can help others Financially, you, you know, it, it, I don't have much, but when you hear the third person knocking on the door, you get kind of antsy. You, you know, listen, I, I can finish my supper. And, and, and this chazal haunts me. It, I still finish my supper, don't worry, but, but it haunts me. I, it's not chazal, but I don't say so good, it's chazal. Um, a person can help somebody else. It, it, I mean, this is the way chazal understood a ruchnistic enterprise that you cannot, if in Ruchnius, in the world of Ruchnius, uh, in, in if you, th- th- whatever you take on to yourself, you should become absorbed by it and not the other. So when I reflected a lot about this, I said to myself, you know, as different as they were, and each one was a world in its own and built Yeshiva in a very different way, but the common denominator was none of them existed as self, um, vis-a-vis the yeshiva. It wasn't their yeshiva. They belonged to the yeshiva. And each one expressed it with Rabbi Leizudel's running around. And there's so many other stories about that. Somebody else was more famous. He, he was near Yisrael and he, set us, and he gave his own money they should give to, to Bacham Del Seichaburis and things like that. It was my father-in-law's fanatical um, devotion to not, take, not taking a penny because the yeshiva is not for him. It's He's there for the yeshiva, not the yeshiva for him. And <coughs> Nassim Tzvi's total um, lack of self, total lack of his own, of injecting any of his own feelings, emotions, his shortcomings, physical shortcomings, nothing. That was, that's a thread that ran through the yeshiva. Um, and it was not only those, it was Momar Reb Chaim, Reb Nachum, the Rav told me he went into Yashav Chaim Ashayla, they let him in. Reb Chaim was laying in his pajamas. And he, a is coming in. He's, he's, it's a bit pressing. And, he, and, and he's there. 
um, Reb Nachum would climb the steps up like this, and if you came to speak in learning, he never said, I- I'm really not in a position to speak in learning now. That was extraordinary, a meter that ran through it. And when you divorce yourself from Torah, it's only Torah. And Torah has its own Seat Rishmaya. Torah runs, it, it, once you leave the orbit of this world, the laws of economics cease to have a hold on you. It's like when you blast off and you pass that. And then you belong to a different set of rules. And that's called, like the Ramam says, that Kaddish Baruch Hu is doig for us, and somehow he's mamsilate the Ravanisla, like he says. Great people, extraordinary people. I mean, giants. Um, and each one in his own midah, and in the, and this common midah that sort of encompasses all of them. Let's take some some lesson of it that in all the good things we do, and in each one in his own in his own things that he does, to try somewhere along the line to do something to sort of put some distance between himself and the good that he does. It, it, it goes a long way in adding a tremendous amount of siyat to the good that we do, because that which is not us, is that which is not part of our gas ruach, belongs to the world that HaKadosh Baruch who takes care of with, with a whole different set of rules. And Bez Hashem, we should be able to do things l'shem shemayim and bezochot to the siyat of things that are, that are done kol l'shem. I would like to thank Rabbi and Rebetzin Lopiansky for joining us this Shabbos in Chicago. It was very uplifting and enlightening. We appreciate you coming very much. We're having dessert.